Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to Under the Noise. I'm Kate Roberts, and I'm here with my co-host, Wynne Morgan. Hello, Kate. Hi. And today we're here with Peter Jacobson. Hi, Peter. Hey, guys. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me on. This is a treat. Yeah, for us as well. So, Wynn, why don't you start off by um, telling everybody how you met Peter, and then we'll just kind of go from there. Peter was at a coaching school, Michael Neal Supercoach, back in, I believe, 2019 or late 2018 into 2019, when it was Supercoach Europe. And I had the the privilege, I think that was my third or fourth time on on faculty as a part of the team and mentoring the coaching students. And Peter was one of the students, one of the um, amazing 50 odd people that we had on that program. And then we became um, good friends ever since. So that's how I know Peter. So, I was just commenting before we started recording that Wynn and Peter knowing each other is the reason why you and I met Wynn, that um, I was listening to a supervision session on um, the Supercoach Cafe and when was coaching Peter as a coach? Um, and I distinctly remember this because not only did I listen to the coaching session maybe like three times because there was so much in it that I would write I wrote big chunks of it down when I was writing so that I would remember it later. And it was just so different to me because when you as a coach were so willing to sit with Peter and not know where it's gonna go not need to take it anywhere and it's almost like you were with Peter even though there are a bunch of people listening to it but you were willing to be with Peter in a way that all you did was really hold space for his own wisdom to show up I remember specifically, he would have to ask you, what do you think? And that's rare in a coach because coaches have no problem sharing what we think, right? But he would have to ask you what you thought. You just were with him in a session that 
He just had complete faith that his wisdom would show up when he needed it in any situation. And that is the reason why I reached out to you in the first place and we started chatting. It was really special. So we've got Peter to thank for this podcast even existing. <laughs> yes, we do. Well, that, that's really interesting that you shared that because I think I was the first one to be supervised in Super Coach Cafe. Christy was looking for a, a brave soul to go first. And um, what's interesting is kind of like we were talking about before this podcast, I didn't really have anything on it. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yeah, Christy needs someone. I'm willing to do it. Whatever. Let's just do it not knowing the impact it would have. And that's just really interesting to reflect on how it seems to me like the less we have on things, the greater the impact we can make on people. I'm, just, I'm noticing this, I, I train teachers in the Alexander Technique, and it seems to me the ones that have less invested or less on it make the most progress. Mm. What's that all about? I don't know if that's a rhetorical question, Peter, what's that all about? Because I think you've got an inkling as to what makes that very common, that the less we have on things, the better we do. Well, the work that I do is really about stepping into the unknown which is where all the good stuff lies. And I'm just noticing for myself and and my students and trainees that the more we're attached and hanging on to what we know, the less space there is for the unknown, for the new, for the fresh. So, but it's it's scary. It's really scary to let go of what you know I find and step into it, but it's a cool place to live. Mm-hmm. And you see that in performers. You see, you, you get a sense is the performer making the meal fresh or are they just reheating leftovers? <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a freshness to it, like, and, and it's absolutely riveting to watch someone create from that place of, I don't know what's going to happen next versus, right? And I think there's also this sense in, in, in teaching, um, following a, or co- probably coaching for that matter too, at least in my experience, like coaching from a formula or a recipe or a paint by numbers versus just intelligently reacting to the stimuli of the moment, which is a lot of what I do and teach. I've been fortunate enough to have met a lot of the people that you teach and a lot of your your team who teach alongside you in your faculty with your work. 
So I was always so fascinated to listen to you and them share, because this is something that I, that I'm seeing if I remember correctly. That let's say that one of your clients or one of your, one of your uh, teaching clients, and they are then coaching or training a conductor of an orchestra, because I've met some of those uh, people in your, in your work. How do they, given the fact they may be conducting a live orchestra or a piece of music that's been, that was written 250, 300 years ago, how do they bring aliveness to that? Hmm. That's a great question. Well, you know, music is, is interesting because there's a lot of times we're, we're recreating the creation of someone else. So we're recreating Beethoven's ideas, for example. And then on the other side, there's um, improvisation. Or if you've, you know, made a creation yourself, if you're a singer songwriter or a composer, or you're just improvising and letting something new come through you. Um, but I wonder if they're that different, actually. I mean, Leonard Bernstein talked about this. He said, I want to feel on the podium as if I'm writing this music as it's happening. Mm -hmm. So there's like this freshness and aliveness. Now, I think one of the mistakes a lot of performers get into when they're recreating someone else's music is they feel like they they need to bring all this uh, aliveness and freshness. And one thing that I feel is really important is that no, find the freshness and aliveness in the music. It's in there. Like Mozart was no dummy. Beethoven was no dummy. They knew how these tones would fit together in a way that if you use your, as the performer, if you use your innate wisdom and musical intelligence, that will help those tones come together in the most cohesive, alive way possible. So it's like the intelligence of Beethoven, his music meets the intelligence and wisdom of you, the performer, and then magic happens. And let's not forget the audience right because it's a it's a communication between at least in this case composer through performer to audience but that that i think perf performers can sometimes get a little into themselves and not see that they're just a through line from composer to audience that they're a channel just then said they make it about them and their interpretation and what they have to offer, which is good. Everyone, every performer brings something unique, but then it can get a bit clogged that whole circuit. And it's always interesting if you look at like, well, it used to be CD covers um, that don't exist anymore, but like who's on the front? Oh, it's usually the performer. 
not the composer or the audience. So it's kind of cliche, but as a performer, it's like how, how less is more actually, how can I get out of the way to let this genius music come through me? That's so inspiring listening to you saying that. Thank you. So how do you do that? How do you help people be in the channel as opposed to get in the way of the channel? So I have this analogy that I use. I call it rivers and cathedrals. Two things I quite like. <laughs> um, and one of my colleagues says, we, we don't pop out of the womb singing Verdi. <laughs> okay, so if you wanna sing Verdi, you have to learn some skills. You have to build and nurture a skill set that will enable you to do that. And so that's the cathedral. You have to like, you have to build something if you want to sing Verdi, Mozart, whatever it is. But at the same time, we have this innate, we call it innate psychophysical coordination, this innate um, intelligence or brilliance in our system that we cannot enhance, we can only interfere with. And so that's, if you think about, if you want a river to flow, you can't really add to that. You can just take out impediments and interference. So the river flows more freely. And so it's actually subtraction. It's, for example, if I'm, I have this, um, axial skeleton, which is a head on top of a spine, which is naturally built into every human being. It's just naturally there. That's the river. I can interfere with it. I can collapse and, you know, do all those things. And then it's a matter of undoing of subtraction so that there's a free flow of, of energy and upwardness. So I think part of my job is to help performers see if this is um, an issue of addition, like you need more technique, you need more practice, you need more of something, whether that's the cathedral, or if you need subtraction, if you need less, let's, that thing you're doing with your head when you sing that note is not helping you. Let's, let's undo that. And then things are flowing again. So that's a, a really important distinction I, I make in my work. Peter, do you find that to be the case in other areas of your life outside of your work? This kind of flow that when we allow it, kind of get out of the way, it shows up and it takes over in a wonderful way. Do you find that in other places? Yes. I was just talking about that. I did earlier today. I, I um, was the guest teacher for a 
this program called Eco Nidra, which is combining forest therapy with Nidra yoga. It's a really cool modality. And um, we were talking about that. Um, we all have this clever computer, the frontal lobe, which likes to be in charge and it think, thinks it's like the smartest person in the room. <laughs> but there's so much more intelligence in, in all of us and the rest of us in our body, in particular is what we were talking about. But absolutely. But I love my clever computer. <laughs> Even though it's kind of dumb. So yeah, I, I I don't have any answers how to how to shut that off or or listen beyond that. Um, but I certainly know that when I do, things tend to work out better. Going back to your analogy of cathedral and the river. You know, I don't know if this is true or if this is taking a metaphor too far, which is what we often do. I certainly am very guilty of that on occasion. It, it seems to me that it's possible that the cathedral in a human is their frontal lobes. And then the river is what makes the frontal lobes work and what's, you know, the energy that's within us that's more far more innate than, than the computer bit. Hmm. But I don't know if that's stretching the metaphor or not. Oh, I like it. I like it. And it seems to me a lot of education is around getting a better computer, a better, mm. faster, sharper, which is fine. I mean, of course we need it to do certain things. But at least in performance, if someone is coming from that place it's pretty uninspiring usually it's like watching a calculator sing mozart yeah i don't think i'd pay to listen to that <laughs> sure and if i did i wouldn't come back <laughs> peter when did you start catching on to the fact that that it was just a computer thinking that it ran the show. You're, you're assuming I have caught on. I, <laughs> I'm assuming. Uh, it's like in the future. Most people, most people don't say things like the computer that thinks it runs the show, if they haven't actually caught on that that's what's going on. Well, it's not, I mean, I can't say that I, I mean, I get, I get caught up in that in the program that the computers like like different apps you know <laughs> i mean i have different apps that i run in the in the computer oh let's worry about this thing that i have no control over i mean i get caught up in it as much as anybody else i think but just knowing that it's like okay that's happening mm -hmm. um yeah you kind of just catch wise to yourself um, I don't know if there's a specific moment. I think it's just sort of, I 
feel like it's just such a work in progress. But it, to me, it's, the, it's just the awareness of it. That's the big thing that a lot of people just aren't even aware, <clears throat> A, that they're, that they're coming from that place and B, that there's something beyond it. Which when, at least for me, when I, when I see that <clears throat> or when I help people see that, it just comes as a huge relief. <laughs> it takes a lot of energy to run the computer. I was just reading, like, I don't know if you've been following all about Bitcoin, but how energy intensive it is to, to mine Bitcoin. It requires all of these computers. And it's like Bitcoin energy usage is larger than most countries. It's just crazy to me. But it's kind of like that's what it's so energy intensive. Over the last couple of years, Peter, you and I have had some amazing conversations about consciousness. Mm. And I'd love to hear what's fresh for you in that area right now. Well, the, the honest truth is I don't feel a lot of freshness in that area right now. But it would be fun to explore it, right? Like the three of us and see what is fresh and alive. Mm. I guess the way that it shows up in the work I do is we wouldn't necessarily call it so much consciousness as awareness, which I guess could be the same thing. Um, we often use the metaphor of a, of a light, which is, I think that's, if you look at spiritual traditions, consciousness is often equated as light. But, you know, shining the spotlight of your awareness in, in different places. So we're often dealing with someone's physical body. So where's your awareness? Is it just focused right here in your voice? Or do you have a, an awareness of your whole self? Do you have an awareness of your colleagues, of the audience, of the whole, the whole experience? And there's something that happens when people consciously include and become aware of what's already there that makes them much more effective. I, I think it goes back to, I mean, not back to, but um, I think it does go back to the conversation about addition and subtraction. And it actually, I think it relates to the computer because the computer wants to divide up and separate the oneness of our experience of life. It seems to me that it's good for a lot of things, but if we want to have a unified experience of life, the computer is not the best tool for that. I was exploring earlier today with this group of eco-nidra teachers and training, this idea in Alexander technique about the unified field of attention. I prefer unified field of awareness, but we often think that there's an outer world and an inner self. But what if there wasn't 
what if the boundary was blurred or what if there was no boundary? I have this image of like just being very porous and open, like, like a sheet in the wind where the wind can just blow th through it. It's, it's a wonderful place to, to be and to live from and to perform from. It's just, it, there's a kind of a, a delicious emptiness to it, if that makes any sense. Like, I'm not here, but I am fully here. Little I <laughs> is not here. The small, small, separate ego self is not here, but I, big I, the I that we all are, is here. Lynn, what are you seeing new about consciousness? Well, I'm one of those who had a strong preference to his frontal lobe computer, his cathedral more than the river. And, and a part of my curiosity of my brain and my frontal lobes has taken me to, to delve into quantum physics to really understand what's going on from a logical perspective. And Kate and I, I remember you and I have had conversations about this and I'm pretty sure Peter and I have had conversations about this as well over the last few years. That when we actually, or when physicists really take a look at the, the real small things, what things are really made of, the best current thinking is it's something called a quantum field. A field where things appear to exist. Which is, in my mind, a really bizarre thing to notice that I'll tap this table here and it feels really solid. And then when it's looked at, there really isn't anything there other than energy. Nothing else there that's solid. It's energy that's holding things together in a way that it looks and feels solid. And, you know, tell that to my knee when it hurt itself at the end of a bed a few months ago, because it felt really solid then, my kneecap and that piece of wood. And that's just a phenomenal awareness that this is an amazing experience to be aware and to be conscious over things that aren't as they actually are. I don't know what to make of it other than the fact of seeing it as an absolute miracle. And here we are for me I'm able to be aware of things that don't really exist. I'm able to experience things that are made up. I'm able to have emotions. I'm able to love and to feel sadness. 
and then to be aware that that's what's going on and to see the perspective even of the fact I'm having very variable experiences of the same thing. I just find that extraordinary. And I can absolutely tell you I have no idea what that actually is. Don't understand it at all, but I see it's a beautiful mystery. You know, lately, the things that have been showing up for me um, is that I can really see how my intellect or my personal mind loves to kind of tell the story of everything from what I've just, you know, what we picked up along the way throughout our life, our stories of how things are, how we are, how other people are. And, and there, you know, so much too, some of the strongest stories where I really feel like there's like a total identity investment in it. Like if it wasn't true, then, you know, like, then I don't make sense anymore. And, you know, you can kind of go down that rabbit hole. But for me lately, especially in the last six months, is I see that those stories taking place and I see how much I have invested in them. And yet the knowledge that there's something bigger at play that can be trusted if I allow it, that I, I don't know how it, how it will come through and I don't know what it will look like, but I know if I let go of that, my story and how I think things are and just come back to, you know, like Peter said, this kind of very beautiful empty place and live from that not knowing it seems like life works out in such a perfect way that I could have never on my own anticipated and the things that look like the worst things end up being my greatest gifts my greatest experiences in life as I let go each day more and more of the things that I thought made me who I am, that made me okay in this life. And it's not always easy for me, but it's starting to feel more true to me than the stories. And that's huge for my life. And there's love hearing you both talk and it's sparking in me some new ideas about knowing and not knowing and and a lot of times when I work with a, a student or if I'm coaching a teacher they'll say I don't know and they'll think that's a problem <laughs> instead of the most beautiful place to be ever because it 
I don't know anything is possible. And, but it's interesting because we know we don't know. Like there's the knowing of not knowing. And then there's the knowing of the knowing. So like in your case there, Kate, there's the, there's the knowing of the story that there's like knowing of knowing. (laughs) So that we're always knowing something like knowing is or consciousness or awareness is the thing that pervades everything in life. Like it infuses everything. You can't have an experience of life without knowing. But then if there's more knowing on top of that knowing, (laughs) I don't know if this isn't making any sense, but it makes perfect sense to me. (laughs) Well, we can know that we don't know. Right. Which is a form of knowing. Yeah, it is. And the beauty of the freshness and the new and the creative that can come from, I think you said it earlier on about where all the good stuff is. I think that's the phrase you said. I had a conversation with someone late last week. We were finishing up nine months together. And it was a conversation about creativity and and they asked me and, well, I'd like to take a look at creativity today. So I said, well, what do you see about creativity today? Three minutes of silence, yet very animated facial expressions I was looking at on the, on the screen. And they said to me, that was amazing. I went, what? Well, I instantly went to, I should know an answer to that. And then I went to, what have I heard from other people, other teachers that I respect? Or what have you said to me in the past about creativity? And then I had another thought, well, that's not what I want to do. But I really should know the answer to this. And then I went, no, I shouldn't. It doesn't matter that I don't know. And then my mind went blank. And for the first time in my life, I felt okay that my mind went blank. And then she ended up by saying, they said, well, it wasn't what I came up with, but the fact that I saw that's what I've been doing about everything. I had all my currency was on my old knowings or my borrowed knowings from other people, thinking that that was the best answer I could have. And then I had a lot of shoulds going on. And I just realized I don't have to do any of that, that it's really okay to not know and let what's fresh to come up and trust in the not knowing. To me, over nine months, that was the most profound moment that we shared. And, and then, because it's because I, I experienced it. And I then was aware that I was experiencing it. And in my mind, that was just beautiful to notice and to listen and to watch. Because that's that insight of seeing how we really work will do wonders 
for their life moving forward. And I did nothing. It was all them. Going back, Kate, to what you said earlier on about letting wisdom do wisdom's thing, having wisdom having its way with us. Consciousness having its way with us. The river having its way with us. Letting the cathedral float. <laughs> so, Peter, we've... Um, got some information on what you do and how people can get hold of you before we wrap up is there anything else that you'd love to share well this has been a really inspiring and enlightening conversation um i'll just add one thing to the previous thing we were talking about one of my team members and, and students in our training course, um, she's very near and dear to our community and to, to me. A couple of years ago, she attended a workshop and she said, the reason that I wanted to learn more from you and kept going with you is you, you said, I don't know about a hundred times. And I didn't know I was doing this, but she was, so drawn to my not knowing versus my impressive knowing. I just thought that was really cool. Um, I was listening to a talk with Dan Sullivan, who's a coach for entrepreneurs. And he said something really profound. He said, all I really have is a bunch of questions I don't know the answer to. That's what I bring to market. Oh, that was so cool. So I'm, I'm newly inspired to, to be in the not knowing and the unknown. And to me, there's something like your, um, what you shared, Wynn, about being in the company of, of others in the unknown seems to have a special magic about it. Being, being in the unknown in the company of friends, it's just terrific. So that, that's how I would summarize my time with you all. Being yeah. in the unknown in the company of friends. Yeah. That's neat. That's lovely. Thanks, Peter. This has been a treat. Yeah, thanks, Peter. My pleasure, truly. You've been listening to this week's Under the Noise with our special guest, Peter Jacobson, my co-host, Kate Roberts, and me, Wynn Morgan. And we look forward to hearing more from our guests and Kate and I's ramblings over the coming weeks. And remember that if there's any question that you have on your mind that you'd like us to discuss or ramble about or wander together in, then just let us know. Our contact details are here. And thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and Kate at kateroberts.coaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.